everybody, Jonathan Doyle with you as always for the Catholic Teacher Daily Podcast. The semi-daily podcast, depending on what's happening at any given moment. I'm still in that season with three young children. So I was up early this morning, got my prayer time in, and then uh, had a training ride. Had to cut that short, race back across town, pick up my 11-year-old son and take him to drum lessons. And... uh, sitting in the driveway so he's got a private drum teacher so i'm sitting in the driveway reading the uh, daily readings if you've heard me on stage you always know that i talk about the crucial importance of getting some daily scripture into your life so uh, i've got the app on the phone and uh sort of put the bible in the car and then found that sort of 10 15 minutes of waiting time just a good chance to get that scripture done so again as i always say i'm not saying that to try and convince you i am pious people who know me well uh, know that i like to make that point it's not about being pious it's about using the helps of the faith and in our busy busy lives we need to get those in uh, wherever we can so i got my rosary in on the way to and from cycling no not while i was riding while i was driving there and, uh, you know, some days I have more time than others, but I guess what I want to share with you is that it's just crucial for us. Whatever vocation, whatever ministry we have, for us it's mostly, you know, for most of us, it's Catholic education. And we're busy and we've all got many different commitments, but we've got to make time for those daily practices. So uh, I got the scripture in today and I want to share a little bit of that scripture with you. And also I've been reading, um, I've just got Rod Dreher's new book. Regular listeners know that I'm a a voluminous reader. So I've been reading Ross Douthat's uh, book, uh, The Decadent Society. So Ross is the ostensibly the only Catholic at the New York Times left. And uh, it's interesting, he hasn't published much in the last few weeks. I hope everything's okay there. But he's a, a US Catholic public intellectual, he writes really well, so... I spoke about his book, The Decadent Society, uh, recently. Um, I'm about three quarters of the way through, so I really recommend getting uh, a look at that. It really talks about uh, how societies like ours eventually run out of energy. They run out of uh, energy, and uh, as I said in that previous podcast, I think that's kind of where we're at, and uh, that's why the faith's so important. That's why you know, Christ is going to use us to rebuild. Uh, that's what happens throughout history. It's St. Francis. It's all sorts of other great men and women that at different times have played an incredibly important role in rebuilding the faith. Now, I was talking about Rod Dreher because I'm reading his new book, uh, which is called Live Not By Lies, and it's about the growth of soft totalitarianism in modern culture. So I'm looking forward to reading that. The review's excellent, but I was reading his blog this morning, and he made a, a quote that stuck with me, and I like to think this is how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. We we read good stuff, we try and stay attentive, and then the Holy Spirit plants a thought or an idea. And reading the blog this morning, he, made the, uh, he referenced the famous comment made by uh, Wellington, the Duke of Wellington, the Iron Duke, who of course uh, defeated Napoleon at the Battle of Waterloo in 1815. And Wellington made the point, he said that Waterloo was won on the playing fields of Eton. So Eton, of course, is the extremely famous and ancient Catholic private school in uh, in London, or just outside of London. And uh, he made the point, Wellington was saying, that the the leadership, the tenacity, the resilience, the courage, 
all of the things that became crucial in the Battle of Waterloo, he was alluding to the fact that those skills had been bred into the warrior class of the British Empire through that public school system. Now, let's not pretend for a moment that Eton, by our modern standards, was a particularly pleasant place to be. There was enormous amounts of... uh, challenging behaviours and all sorts of things that today would be deeply disturbing for us, Uh, but his point still stands that the schooling system was turning out a class of people capable of doing particularly useful things at particularly useful moments in history. So when empires were rising and falling, the kind of people that you needed were coming out of that school system. So the playing fields of Eton were no doubt very tough places where people learned about uh, you know, failure and success and courage and teamwork and all those sorts of things. So what's it got to do with us in Catholic education? Well, here's what I'm thinking. I think that we are at another pivotal moment in history, and I'm curious about the impact of our Catholic schools in turning out the kinds of men and women that we're really going to need in this next historical moment. So... I think that's a really interesting question. My experience over the years traveling all over the world and meeting hundreds, I mean, literally hundreds of thousands of teachers, but literally a huge number of leaders and, and bishops and archbishops and uh, and principals and vicars for education. Here's my take on it. I think it's utterly a case-by-case basis. I think there's some magnificent schools that do an incredible job uh, because they have great, passionate Catholic leaders and principals um, who care for their own staff and encourage faith and godliness and growth in spirituality and a great servant heart for young people. And that culture builds into the school culture and we get some really fantastic kids coming out of that, those sorts of schools that God's really going to use in, in affecting culture. So as I've said in so many episodes, our culture is a reflection of the formation of our young people. And again, I was reading something recently that said that you get the way you get cultural death in terms of the values and the traditions that are significant in a culture, the way that you lose them is simply by them not being passed on from the older generation. So an older generation loses its own conviction, loses, loses its own passion and belief that what it's doing is so important, and then that is lost in that next generation. It can happen so fast. So basically, for a Catholic school to be effective, it has to have the kinds of men and women who are doing, who are passionate about their faith, and then they transfer that to young people. So I would say, on a whole, I think that is not happening. I think, at least in my country, large sections of Catholic education have been utterly hijacked by, I think, the kind of uh, socio-cultural uh, ideology that's just so pervasive. I mean, um, you know. What how else can I say this? You know, many young Catholic people get far more formation on issues of plastic environment, ideology, a whole bunch of stuff than they do about their own faith. I mean, we can't really sugarcoat it, can we? I mean, I think we're at the point where we just need to say what's actually happening. And that's happening for complex reasons. I think the culture has become more secular. I think that... Uh, formation institutions so at least in this country the bulk of teachers coming into the system are usually coming from secular universities 
Um, a few come from the one sort of Catholic university we have here. So the formation of our young teachers is relatively lacking in the faith and catechesis, so that they find it hard to pass that on. Now, before you lose your mind, there's many exceptions to that, but my experience of it increasingly in this country is that it's really being ideologically hijacked. So I think if you're the kind of person who listens to this kind of podcast, then, uh, you know, well, if you're not, if you're hearing this for the first time, you're probably listening to me for the last time because I believe this passionately. I I don't believe we're there to ideologically manipulate young people with the sort of stuff that they can get on the internet or news any day of the week. We need to be a place of radical difference a truly Christological place where Jesus is at the forefront and center of everything we do. And that does not preclude, as I have said a million times, it does not preclude the fact that that also includes academic excellence. You know, and I've got this feeling lately that that, that academic excellence is often a byproduct of a deeply Christological Catholic school culture. Why? Because any principal or any teacher with a deep Christological sense is going to love young people and they're going to want to see God's plan and the potential of each young person come to life and that will drive ideological excellence. I think a lot of principles are driven by fear. They're driven by the fear that what drives academic excellence is the fear that if scores fall off the cliff, you know, they'll lose enrollments. So there's nothing new under the sun. I think the deeper we go with Jesus, I think the deeper, the more courage we have in forming great Catholic schools and great Catholic teachers the other stuff just flows along with it. So that's the comment from uh, the Iron Duke, the Duke of Wellington, on the uh, the Battle of Waterloo being won on the playing fields of Eton. So I think the cultural battles of the future, the, the value of human life, uh, questions of political economy and all the different things that shape up a vibrant public square and shape a healthy, successful culture are really going to be developed by the young people that we're forming. So if you still listen to me at this point, I just want to encourage you because your faith, your relationship with Christ is just so crucial. All right, the last thing I want to say is today's reading is from Matthew. We've tipped over into Advent, so we've got the new cycle of readings and it's Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus is talking about the tree and its fruit and how you'll know the tree by its fruit and then he goes on to talk about the uh, the wise and the foolish builders who built their houses on rocks and sand you'll be familiar with that but I wanted to pick up on this line which echoes something we talked about last week this is in Matthew seven twenty one, where Jesus says not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he or she, who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. One more time. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's pretty powerful stuff. When I read that this morning, I had a sense that in a lot of Catholic schools, Jesus is kind of vaguely presented as another wisdom teacher, another sort of smorgasbord choice on the great post-modern cultural religious theological smorgasbord but Jesus is making a pretty powerful point here I think in some schools we kind of think that we can just present Jesus to young people as this interesting person and uh, we've got to try and be nice because he was nice but Jesus is saying something very important here he's going you don't go to heaven just because you're nice 
You don't go to heaven because you sort of think Jesus is a good guy. Jesus is saying that the, there is only one kind of person who's going to heaven. Only. See, this is his words. It's not mine. So if you, anyone's losing their mind, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only, Jesus' word, only, only. There's only one kind of person going to heaven. And who is it according to Jesus? It's the person who does the will of the Father. I mean, what is Jesus' entire mission on earth? What's the incarnation all about? What's all of it about? People say, well, it's to rescue sinful humanity. Yeah, but why did that matter? Because it was the will of the Father. See, everything that Jesus does, and he's very clear about it, he says, I've come not to do my own will, I've only come to do the will of the Father. So if we're going to be like Jesus, and if we want to get home to heaven with the people we love and those that we evangelize and teach and meet, then what we have to do, there's two parts to this. The first is that we have to strive to do the will of the Father. And what's the will of the Father? Well, the will of the Father is to love his Son and to receive his Holy Spirit and to do what his Son does. It's the will of the Father. So I think that's what we have to do as educators. So as we seek to love Jesus, as we seek to grow in our faith, as we go deeper into the life of faith, we're doing the will of the Father, and through that, He will use us to do what? To help young people do the will of the Father. I mean, ultimately, what's the ultimate goal of education? I've said it a million times. If we get every kid into Harvard, we haven't won. You know, if every kid becomes a rocket scientist and makes a huge amount of money and has a nice life, that, that's a good thing, right? Like, it's not a bad thing. But that's not what we're being asked to do. We're being asked to help young people do the will of the Father, to know it. And then to do it, which means what? We need young people to love Jesus because that's what the will of the Father is. The Father loves his Son and he wants us to love his Son. So as you go about your work today in Catholic education, I really want to encourage you to be praying about the will of the Father becoming real in your own life and courageously encouraging our students to know Jesus and to do the will of the Father. Now, that will will also include a school culture where there is patience and gentleness and kindness and, you know, where bullying isn't a, a massive issue, where language is used to bless and build up. So we can build these kind of school cultures as we do the will of the Father. So I'm just convinced after all these years that if we keep our eyes on Jesus, the other stuff works itself out. You see, if we have our eyes on Jesus, we'll be different. We'll be seeking his grace and asking for him to bless us and change us and resource us and strengthen us. And that will make us different teachers. And through that, we'll have different schools. Gosh, there's a lot in that. Do me a favor. Send this to somebody who completely disagrees with everything I've said. <laughs> just, to, uh, just to liven up their day. Well, I had my birthday on Tuesday and I'm getting older and I am thought, you know what? This is on my heart. I just don't want to spend any longer trying to make everybody happy. I want to make Jesus happy. Because i got to answer to him, you know. And, uh, and I want to get as many people home to heaven as I can. All right, friends, listen, God bless you. Uh, please make sure you've subscribed wherever you're hearing this, Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else. Please hit the subscribe button. It's a big blessing. 
uh, do that for me and um, everything else on the website onecatholicteacher.com onecatholicteacher.com just go there go to the resources page grab yourself the completely free trial of the Going Deeper resource that would be an awesome thing to do so do that onecatholicteacher.com God bless your friends my name's Jonathan Doyle this has been the Catholic Teacher Daily Podcast and I'll have another message for you tomorrow